This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome aboard, Eagles fans, to episode four of the No Huddle Show, our Eagles podcast on NJ.com. You can also find us on iTunes, on Stitcher as well, and of course, Follow us on Twitter at Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Eccolo 08, at Joe Gilio Sports. We're back for our fourth episode, as usual, here with the Eagles. A lot to talk about after the second preseason game, a big signing, controversy. It's all here coming up in this episode. And we will have Kenyon Barner uh, joining us, Eagles special teamer extraordinaire, running back, trying to make this roster. He'll be part of this episode coming up in a few minutes. Elliot, how are you today? Doing good, doing good. Excited to uh, talk Eagles. We all are. It always is fun with this team. Mark Eckel, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. All right, here we are, folks. We have uh, all this stuff to talk about. Let's start here with the, the conversation that's kind of just taken on a life of its own after Saturday night. First quarter, first drive for Sam Bradford, guys. He's out there. Um, he's doing his thing. Five attempts, but the story is it's not even an attempt. It's not a pass. It's when Sam Bradford was hit by Terrell Suggs after handing the ball off on a running play during that first drive, during his only drive of the game. Uh, it's become controversial now. Option read, read option. What are they doing out there? Should he have been hit? Illegal. Elliot, first thought Saturday night when Terrell Suggs hit Sam Bradford right around the knees. Did you think it was a dirty play? Illegal? What did you think when it happened, Elliot? My, my gut reaction when I saw the hit heard around the world was that it was a dirty play. Just watching it live, just watching the way he went at Bradford, watching the way Bradford went down, I thought it was a, a dirty hit. It was at, not, at least, at the very least, I thought it was some type of penalty. So I wasn't surprised that he was flagged for it. Um, obviously, I've watched it a ton, of, you know, a ton since then. And the more I think about it, I think Suggs had every right to hit Bradford in some capacity on that play. I know Chip says it wasn't a read option. We can get into that, you know, a little later, but. I think Brad, uh, Suggs had every right to hit Bradford on the play. I do think, though, when you go at a player's knees, regardless of whether it's a quarterback, an offensive lineman, you know, that, that crosses a line, especially in the preseason. So I think it was a dirty hit, but I, oh, simply because of the legs, and not, not because it's Bradford's legs, not because of anything like that, just because I think you could have gone high on Bradford just to make sure he didn't have the ball. Mark, how about you? What was your initial reaction Saturday night when that hit happened? Did you think it was dirty, illegal? They threw a flag then, but then on Monday, they basically said, the NFL said, no, it's, it shouldn't have been a penalty. Well, my first reaction was, well, it looks like the Eagles are getting a third-round pick from the Rams. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I, thought, I thought he put him out. I really did. Um, but, hey, Sam bounced up. He was fine. 
Uh, but I, it's funny, Elliot and I must be talking too too much to each other because I, I agree 100% with what Elliot said. I've, you know, I've covered this game a long time. I've gotten to know a lot of players, you know, really well over the years. You don't go after a guy's knees. That's the one. That's the one thing. I mean, lately it's been don't hit a guy in the head because of all, you know, all the, all the stuff going on lately. But guys, I mean, way back when I first started covering this in the in the late 80s. You don't go after guys' knees. I mean, that's that's just always been the rule. You know, you don't want to. I mean, hey, hit a quarterback hard, knock him out in a game. Sometimes, hey, that's all. That's all part of the game. But knees ends careers, and then, and you just don't do that. So that's why I didn't. I, I thought the penalty was just, but it was the wrong penalty. It wasn't roughing the pass. If if they believed it was a a zone read play, then Bradford is no longer a passer. So it's not roughing the passer. But what it was was unnecessary roughness by going after his knees. And it felt unnecessary. I think that's the word yeah. I would use, unnecessary right. roughness. It just felt unnecessary that he had to do that in that instance going low there. I agree with both of you. I think if he hits him higher, sure. this conversation sure. doesn't take on a life of its own. Because he got hit a couple plays later. I thought he got hit harder, on, um, but it was a clean play, you know, and the guy hit him. And the other thing to consider is if this hit takes place last preseason and it's, and it's Foles that gets hit or it's Sanchez that gets hit, are we talking about it as much? I'm not sure. I think the fact that it was Bradford really makes it a sensitive subject to everyone, but you have to remember that to Suggs, it doesn't matter. I know he mentioned it after the game about his uh, you know, his ACL injuries. Uncultured as well. Oh, yeah, that, and that was agreed. That was just adding fuel to the fire, but... In the heat of the moment during the game, it's not Suggs' problem that Bradford has these knee injuries. And I think he made a fair point. He said, look, if you're going to run the read option with a quarterback that has two knee surgeries, that's on you. And I think, really, to me, that's the quote that, and the thing I'll take away from this more than anything. is is isn't so much the hit. is isn't so much, you know, all that. It's that Chip is putting Bradford at danger if he's going to – I mean, Bradford's going to get hit this season. We saw right there. I mean, he got hit. Yeah, the Ravens got flagged. But then uh, Dean Blandino said afterwards it was a legal hit. So people are going to hit Bradford if you're going to keep running this read option. Whether whether it's technically called a read option or whatever, it looks like a read option. And Malcolm Jenkins said yesterday, look, if I'm a defender, it's better safe than sorry. If I think there's even a chance the quarterback's going to keep that ball, I'm not going to ease up, and I'm certainly going to make him think twice about keeping it in the future. So that's the thing I'm going to take from this more anything is Bradford's going to have to be very careful this year as to how – I mean, after that read options, people are going to come for him. So wait, it's okay to hit Sanchez or Foles, but it's not. I mean, you, no matter who runs that offense, their quarterback's going to get hit. No, no, I agree. I'm saying I don't think people would be talking about it as much. Well, if, I do. A guy going after a knees like that, I think it would have been talked about. Well, I, the, I, I, no, the you, fact you, that it was Bradford and his knees, I think it, it escalated because then you know, and as you said. Afterwards, he, he says um, the thing about the ACLs and that kind of – and then Jason Peters, which was a pretty strong quote as well, says he thought it was premeditated, that this was – That was what I took away from that. Jason Peters made it sound like Suggs had this planned all, all week right? You know, while they were practicing against each other. But, I mean, yes, Bradford has had two torn ACLs. But the second time he, got, he tore his ACL, he wasn't even hit. Jordy Nelson tore his ACL a couple of days ago, was never hit. You don't have to get hit to, to tear your ACL, and you can get hit and be fine. So I don't. I'm not putting as much into it that it's, that it's Sam Bradford and it's and he has knee injuries. It's you just don't go. After, I mean, I just don't like seeing guys go after other guys' knees, no matter how healthy, how bad their 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 knees were in the past. 
I don't think any of us do. I mean, that's just the reality of when someone gets hit in the knee. You don't want to see that. But I, I do agree with Elliot in terms of the conversation is taken on life of its own because it was Bradford's first drive, and then was the first image we see of him this year. He gets hit in the knee, and it's like we all just watched that and said, what's going on? It's like every Eagles fan's worst nightmare almost came true in that moment. So, I mean, you guys are mentioning first Jason Peters said he thought it was dirty. Then the other side of the football, Malcolm Jenkins, even though he's a teammate of Bradford, you know, basically, in a way, sided with the defensive players, and what are they supposed to do here when there's ambiguity on those plays? I mean, moving forward, I think the question now is, does Chip Kelly have to change a little bit just stylistically the way he runs the offense with handoffs through the shotgun with Bradford out there to keep him out of harm's way? Elliot, do you think Chip has to adjust here if these guys are allowed to take, you know, to hit Bradford whenever they want? That's a tough question. Chip's not really one to change the way he... he uh... He does things, but what I thought was interesting yesterday when uh, talk when I was talking to Bradford was he said during the quarterback meetings they talked about this. They talked about what's a way to make sure that after the handoff it's clear that they don't have the ball anymore. And I mean, short of like raising your hands up, I'm not sure what they're going to do. But to me, that just showed that maybe the Eagles are thinking a little bit about how this is going to work. And you know, if you are going to be allowed to just tee off on the quarterback like that. You know what's that mean for their offense? You know they're going to put. I don't think they're going to put him in the shotgun more. I mean, sorry, I don't think they're going to put him under center more, and they're going to have him handed handed off from the shotgun. So if that's how they run their offense and they have for two years, and it's how Chip ran it in college, I don't see a major change coming to that. I, I think what the better chance is. I mean, Chip says he's not going to call the NFL, but if I'm Chip, I'm on the phone and I'm talking and I, you know to them, and I'm saying, look, this isn't a read option. This is a handoff. Just because you're in the shotgun doesn't mean it's a read option. Now, to me and you and to Malcolm Jenkins and Terrell Suggs, it certainly looks like it. And if Bradford was Colin Kaepernick, I think, you know, it would it would basically be a read option every play. But it's not the defensive job. As Terrell Suggs says, it's not his job to read Bradford. It's Bradford's job to read him. So I do think the Eagles are going to have to do something about this because Bradford's going to keep getting hit. And it, throughout his career, whether – I mean, well, as Mark said, whether he gets hit or not, he gets hurt. But certainly when he gets hit, I think his, his chances of getting injured increase. I don't – yeah, I, I, I agree with the one point. I think Chip is going to talk to the referees maybe prior to every game and, and try to explain to them what the difference is between a zone read play and just a shotgun handoff so that they know what's going on. Um, but I, I, I think we're making too big a deal. This isn't, this isn't Chip's first game. He's been – this is his third year. I don't remember Foles getting hit a lot. I don't, I don't remember Mike Vick getting hit a, hit, hit a lot. Um, or Sanchez the second half of last year. I, I, you know, do you remember any plays where like this? I mean, they got hit, of course. But every oh. gets, gets hit. But I don't remember any, any controversial hits. I mean, and, and, again, if Suggs would have came in and hit him in, the, hit him in the chest, knocked him down, I don't think we, we wouldn't be talking about it now. It's because yeah. Suggs went for his knees. Yeah, and that, that was my point is I think people are overly sensitive to this because it's Bradford, and that's why Suggs hit it right on the head. He said, look, if you're going to do this with the guy with two torn, you know, two knee surgeries, that's on you. I mean, Chip brought this guy in here. He knows Bradford's history, and he knows the type of offense he runs. So Chip knows what he's getting into. It just this happened way earlier. And, you know, well, the referees have to flag guys for going after people's knees and, and flag them. And throw them out of the game, fine them, suspend them. That's what has to happen. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I mean, going at the knees was the dirty part, but that's the, large, the problem that I have with the play. What? 
that's my only problem with that play. Was yeah, going no, I, I agree. That is the only part. But but to to Joe's to Joe's question, I don't. I'm not so sure you can change. Not changing anything. Because, yeah, because Bradford's going to get hit. Because I think Chip's going to go to the West Coast offense all of a sudden. No, <laughs> this is that's not, that's not what that's not what Chip Kelly's all about. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I don't think I don't think he's going to change. I'm with you guys. Oh. Just, just wondering you know, how he handles this moving forward. I guess the thing to me, I was confused on Monday from Saturday night into Monday. The NFL, you know, changing what they ruled on the field, which is fine, saying it's not roughing the passer because it was a handoff, changing the rule. But you know, they seem to go away from what we're talking about. We're to- all three of us seem to agree that he shouldn't have went low on Sam Bradford, and that was the dirty part. Yet. They didn't flag, you know, that part of the whole thing. They didn't. They're not going to find him. It seems like they're, it seems like they're okay with the hit because of the way the play was run. Yet it was a low hit. I mean, to me, that's a problem. Not just here with the Eagles. If they're going to run read options in the NFL, you should be able to hit the quarterback fine. But you shouldn't be able to go low. That seems like a, an issue here moving forward. I mean, I I agree. But I guess you know, not to sound like a broken record, but. I think because it's Bradford, people are really sensitive. I mean, people have gone at people's knees before. It's happened in the past. It's going to happen again. I mean, this isn't going to be a, a an NFL rule-altering moment. This is just Suggs went low on Bradford. It's just something that happens, and it's a reality the Eagles just have to deal with going forward. It is, and it, that we're going to find out how they deal with it. Third preseason game coming up against the Packers. We do have some news uh, to get into some big news that happened on Monday night with the Eagles, a, a transaction or a contract situation that got resolved. We'll get to that in one second. One last question on this Bradford thing. One last thing I wanted to mention is, I mean, there's been a lot of injuries, and, and I think Mark mentioned Jordy Nelson a few minutes ago. A lot of injuries here the first two weeks of the preseason, ACLs and all this kind of stuff. And we watched the Eagles go out there on Saturday. Bradford, after basically not playing for a full year, only played one series. And now we'll see how much he plays against the Packers. Murray was out there, DeMarco Murray for only 10 of 91 offensive snaps. So the bigger players, he's limiting their time on the field. I mean, do you think part of what Chip Kelly has tried to do here in practice and the preseason so far, Mark, is trying his best to keep these guys out of harm's way in these meaningless games? I mean, there's been a lot of talk lately about the NFL preseason maybe being too long. You know, it feels in a way like Chip Kelly's trying to take this into his own hands a little bit and say, I'm not going to put these guys out there to have freak injuries any more than I have to. What do you think about that, Mark? Uh, yeah, I think he's doing that. But what's that? What does that say to the guys that are out there? I don't. I don't care if you get hurt. Yeah, I, mean, I guess there's only so much you could do. You have to play someone. Yeah, exactly. the, the, what you have to do is cut preseason down to two games, which is what they should do anyway. But the owners will never do it because this is free money to the owners. You know, people. A lot of people don't realize this. The players aren't getting paid now. They get a. They get a per per diem. Um, which is more than most of us make, but they, that's all they get right now is a per diem. Um, you know, Sam Bradford isn't getting any, any of his $12.9 million yet. Um, you know, none of the guys are getting paid, but the owners are still making that same money. That preseason ticket to the, to the Ravens game costs the same price as a regular season game against the Cowboys. You're paying the same price for that. For that. The parking's the same. The hot dogs and the beer cost the same. So all that money coming in is free money to the owners because none of it's going out yet. So that they'll never get rid of pre get rid of preseason rid of preseason game preseason games. So, but yeah, I mean, Kip Kelly, you know, he's being smart right now and keeping guys healthy. I just wonder, you know, if Bradford only plays a little bit against Green Bay and then doesn't play at all against the Jets, is he going to be ready for the Atlanta Falcons opening night? I don't know. 
Well, speaking of money and lots of it, to Michael Kendricks, uh, news came down on Monday night, a guy that you know a lot of Eagles fans have been wondering what his future is going to be here with the team, was set to be a free agent after the year, uh, not a Chip Kelly guy, wasn't drafted by uh, the Eagles you know, under Chip, but the Eagles under Chip have now paid him a pretty good deal. I mean, four years, almost $30 million, over 16 guaranteed. Elliot, when that news came down Monday night, were you surprised the Eagles gave a long-term deal with pretty significant guaranteed money to Michael Kendricks. Yeah, I was shocked. I mean, I thought, you know, they when they tried to trade him during the draft and, you know, you look at their offseason and what their moves they were. They they re-signed they re or renegotiated D'Amico Ryan's deal. They traded for Kiko Alonso and they drafted Jordan Hicks. So those were three guys I thought were for sure here for the next two years. And I thought Kendricks would be on his way out after this year. So when I, when I got the news that they had done that, I, I was stunned. But when you think about it, it shouldn't be that shocking. I mean, Kendricks is probably their most reliable player in among the inside linebackers. I mean, Kiko Alonso might be a bigger playmaker, but he's coming off an ACL injury, so you don't know. Jordan Hicks has his own injury history and is a rookie. And D'Amico Ryan is 31, coming off a torn Achilles. So Kendricks, even though Chip likes to mention he missed four games last year, Kendricks is their most reliable option You know, in terms of what he's done through his career and really when you project going forward um, what he can do. Mark, how about you? When it came to the Kendricks deal, I mean, he's a guy here that I think we talked a lot, you know, even before this podcast started, but you guys wrote a lot just about maybe that he wouldn't be on this team this year. That was it heading into the offseason. We knew then when Chip spoke at the beginning of camp, he said, Michael's going to be here, he's going to be on the team this year. So we moved past that, but I don't know many Eagles fans that thought he'd be here past this year. And they gave him, I mean, that's $16 million guaranteed for an inside linebacker. That's pretty good money. Very good money. And you're, and you're right, Joe. I mean, Michael Kendricks, I, I remember asking Michael Kendricks at, at minicamp, are, are you 100% certain that you're going to be here opening day? And he said, I don't know. I don't I know. I listen to the same things you guys do. And I, he, I mean, he had to see it, just like Elliot said. I mean, they, they trade for Kiko Alonso and, and trade, you know, trade away the franchise's all-time leading runner to uh, get him. So Kiko yeah. Alonso is going to be here. They D'Amico was a surprise. They they redo his deal and add a year. So you figure, okay, they added it. They added it next year for a reason. They want him here. Then in the third round, with with a bunch of offensive linemen still on the board, a bunch of them, probably three or four guards that would be starting for the Eagles right now, still on the board. They take Jordan Hicks, an inside linebacker from from Texas. So yeah, I mean Michael Kendricks, he's a smart guy. He he went to Cal. I mean he's you know. He had to see see all this on the wall and say, "Man, my, my days here are numbered." But instead, they they fool us and they give him a four year deal, like you said, for very good money. Uh, you know, I I applaud both sides. I mean, I'm I'm happy for Michael, and I'm and I think the Eagles, you know, did did the smart thing by by tying up a very good good player for four more years. And I mean, you know, Echo touched on it. Like, what are they doing drafting Jordan Hicks in the third round? And now that you look at it, I mean, this is another move where. It's kind of similar to the DeMarco Murray signing where, you know, you trade away McCoy because, you you know, you're trying to save money and, you know, you talk about the value at the position. Um, you try to sign Frank Gore to a lower-end deal. You know, you bring in Ryan Matthews. Um, you know, you're bringing back Darren Sproles. And then all of a sudden you give DeMarco Murray, like, the biggest running back contract probably in the NFL right now. We're just kind of like, whoa, that came out of nowhere. And it doesn't seem to fit what their blueprint was up until that point. And it's the same thing with this. It's like, well, if you're going to trade for Kiko Alonso and you're going to give Michael Kendricks the money he's getting, I mean, where does Hicks fit into this? Is 
Is he drafted into being a career backup? Is his sole purpose on the Eagles for the next five years going to be just in case one of them gets hurt? Because that's not great value for a third-round pick. I mean, you know, Emmanuel Acho could do that. Najee Good could do that. And now you have a huge problem at right guard, whereas, you know, I'm not saying the, guy, the players they would have taken in that third round would have been the answer, but they, probably would have, they would have played a lot more than Jordan Hicks, and their outlook for the future would have been a lot better because Eagles got nobody at guard. And now they have two very good inside linebackers, and you have D'Amico, who's a veteran who's not going to be, you know, a backup. He's not going to be inactive on game day. So you kind of look and you think, you know, are the Eagles planning things out? Are they just making things up as they go? I mean, what what made this move happen? Is is Ryan's not as healthy as they as they thought? Is Hicks not as good as they thought? Because it certainly doesn't fit into everything. He's not Hicks yet. He hadn't done anything to know if he's good. I mean, actually, we may he never play better than I thought. Yeah, but we may never know now. I mean, although you know what this is, you know what this is, it's not going to happen because Billy Davis, I don't think, is going to go this way. But it almost leads me to think they might be going to a four to a four three. Uh, yeah, another, I mean, another yeah. With you know, and put Brandon Graham back where he belongs at, at defensive end. I don't know. I, who knows what they're thinking there? I mean, it can't hurt that it, you're. It's a good problem to have a lot of good to have too many good players at one position. But yeah, like you said, Jordan Hicks, he's got to look at it. This is hey, wait a minute. I I thought I had a chance to maybe start next year. Now I'm still I'm still number four. You know. Yeah, pretty yeah. solidly put there. He is. I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, the 4-3. And, and really, I was thinking about this. The 4-3 maybe in the future moving away from what they do now and schematically. But just for this year, just for the next couple weeks, heading into Monday Night Football against the Falcons, I've been wondering for a while with the log jam they had at middle linebacker. I mean, at some point, do you just put the best 11 out there on a lot of these plays and figure out where they belong in other situations? I mean, now, I mean, you look at the money they're paying, Kendricks, Ryans, and a lot, I mean, I know Alonzo doesn't make a lot, but he's a big-time player. He'll be on the field. It's just hard for me to believe one of those guys is going to be on the, the sideline for a big plays, and if they need to rotate it outside linebacker, you're going to have a guy like Brian Brayman or Marcus Smith out there. I mean, no, you you're not going to have one of those guys out there. Don't, don't, don't worry about that. Vinny Curry is your third outside linebacker now. Okay, well, then Vinny Curry is one. But, but just Brian Brayman only plays fourth downs. <laughs> okay, so but in general, do you think they're going to put their best 11 out there more as the season goes along and worry about the positions later, or inside is inside and outside is outside, Mark? Well, certain guys, I mean, certain guys, I mean, when you say they're best players, I think Vinnie Curry is one of their, their best players. I would put him in the top five. On, I mean, Vinnie Curry, the, he's their best pure pass rusher. So on third down, I want Vinnie Curry on, on, on the field, whether he's, whether he's lining up inside as a, as a tackle, outside in a 4-3, or standing up as an outside linebacker. Vinnie Curry has to be on the field. Um, the problem in a three-four, they don't, they don't have many. They only have, really, they only have one three-four outside linebacker, and that's that's Connor Barwin. Brandon Graham is playing it and playing it better than a lot of people thought he could, um, but he's really still. I mean, he's really a, a converted four-three end. Um, I mean, Kendricks can't play outside in a three-four. He's too small. Same with same with Alonzo. Same with um, Hicks and they're, they're all. Either middle, like in a four-three. If if they were to go to a four-three, I think what they would have is Graham and Curry as your ends, and the linebackers would be. You could either put Kiko inside or outside because he was a middle linebacker with the Bills. But if had he stayed there, they were going to make him a weak side linebacker. So you could. I would have Kendricks on the weak side, probably Kiko in the middle, and um, Connor Barwin as my strong side, and use D'Amico 
still as as my as my better. See, I I think D'Amico Ryan's and you know very good player through the years. Coming off that second torn Achilles, thirty one years old, I don't think they're counting on him to be more much more than a a good veteran, uh, smart. Um, leader in, in the locker room, leader on the field, giving advice to to the younger guys. I don't think he's gonna. I don't think he's gonna play as many snaps as the other two. I don't. I don't think it's gonna be close. And the, you know, the one player you forgot to mention, when, and you know, kind of, it's, it, it's fitting, is Marcus Smith. I mean, Marcus Smith. I didn't is forget. The, I didn't forget. You know, but I'm saying he is the ideal three-four defense um, outside linebacker. You if know? he could play. If he could play, right, that's my point. So missing on him really hurt them because now you have to re-sign Brandon Graham. You have to move any Curry outside. You know, you have huge depth problems. If if Marcus Smith could play, they, they would have two very, you know, they would have two ideal outside linebackers. It's just mm-hmm. they missed on him so so badly, you know, that it, the, the, the ripple effect's been huge. It has been. It's changed a lot. And now – you, know, you know who Marcus Smith is? Marcus Smith is the Danny Watkins of the defense. If, if, if they didn't miss on Danny Watkins a couple years ago – the right guard wouldn't be a problem now. Yeah. Yeah, you miss on those first-round picks. I mean, it sets you back. Even if you have a good roster, even if you are, have good coaching and you build the depth through the bottom of the draft, I mean, and even through free agency, if you miss on first-round picks, nope. it, it just it sets you it's back. I mean, there's no question. It really does, and it always will, no matter what, what you are, what organization you are. Uh, but it will help, and it always will help, if you develop players or find players um, in other places. And last year, the Eagles went out and made a trade during training camp to bring a guy like Kenyon Barner in to the organization. Didn't play a role really last year, uh, but he's made an impact so far this year in training camp. Elliot had a chance to catch up with Kenyon Barner, and he's going to join us now to talk about training camp, how he feels being an Eagle year two, and, and really being here the entire time as opposed to last year uh, when he was traded in the middle of camp. So... So my first question is um, just coming into training camp. Last year, obviously, you didn't start out with the team. You came in halfway through. So just what, what's, uh, what's this first full training camp been like so far, and how has starting with the Eagles in training camp helped you kind of uh, adjust better than as opposed to last year when you were changing scenery? Well, you know, it's exactly that. Um, last year was a whirlwind when I got here. Uh, you know, I got the news that I was getting traded. Um, on that Tuesday, this Wednesday, I was in Philly. Thursday, I was I was playing. So yeah, there was a lot going on at an extremely fast pace. Um, so this year, having you know the opportunity to be here throughout all of OTAs, OSPs, and all of that stuff, it, it gave me a chance to really get comfortable again back in the system and um, really get comfortable around my teammates and with the the offensive scheme, the special team scheme, and you know, all these different things that I hadn't really had the opportunity to be able to do uh, last year. When you look back at last season, what do you remember about it in terms of how you grew as a player, just what what adjustments you made, and how you think it maybe made you more prepared for this year? You know, for me, man, the biggest thing for me coming from last year into this year was actually learning how to deal with the injury. You know, not allowing you to upset my confidence, not allowing you to affect the way that I play and, you know, how how I carry myself. I didn't, I didn't really know how to do that last year. Mm-hmm. So coming back 
when I got hit back here in November, uh, my mind wasn't right because I knew that I wasn't healthy. I knew that I wasn't able to touch well because of the cutting. I couldn't run the way that I was accustomed to running. So a lot was, was weighing on me. I didn't really know how to deal with it. So going through all of that and, you know, having these guys with me definitely helped better prepare me for this upcoming year. What's that like dealing with, with an injury like that? Because a lot of times, you know, fans see a player's out four or five weeks and they're kind of out of sight, out of mind to the player. But what's it like, you you know, you mentioned that was hard for you mentally. What's it like to kind of be away from the game that long in the rehab process and, um, you know, dealing with, with an injury? Um, it's the most stressful time that I've ever had playing athletics. You know, just because you're uncertain, you don't know how long this injury is going to take to heal. You know, they tell you four to six weeks, but in reality, my ankle didn't stop hurting me until right before I, we came back out here in April. Wow. So that was, you know, well well over that four to six week period. So it's, it's, it's extremely stressful. You know, you just, all you can do is pray and have faith that everything will work out and that, you know, you'll come around with a ton of faith. It's, it's an extremely stressful time period. Did you have anybody you leaned on through that process? You know, my family, my family was there with me through it all. You know, my, I didn't, I'm the kind of guy when I'm going through something, I don't really, I don't really express it. You know, like the, I'm kind of close off to everybody. Mm-hmm. And obviously, my family did. My family, they come in and go on through something. And so, they picked up on it. I talked to them, they had a case. And they, uh, they definitely had me through that. As well as like, my trainers and whatnot. But I was uh, dealing with Gordon while I was going through rehab. So I've talked to Darren Sproles in the past about you, and he's talked about you two, how, you know, you kind of, uh, you two have kind of formed a bond. Can you talk about maybe how he's been a mentor to you since you've come to Philadelphia and especially this off season? Well, Gordon, you know, Back before I even got to it, I've always been a fan of Sproles. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember meeting Sproles the year I came out of college. Uh, I was down in New Orleans for the Super Bowl. Uh, Michael was playing for the 49ers. Mm-hmm. So I was out there and I got the chance to meet him. You know, and I had no idea he knew who I was. But he came up to me and spoke, shook my hand, was like, man, I like you a lot. I'm like, wow. Yeah. You know, so to have somebody that I look up to on another level come to you and talk to you, you know, they would think I was there. But ever since I've been here, it's probably been nothing but, nothing but great help, nothing but a, what you said, a mentor. And he asked me out in every facet of the game, whether they're turning the ball or running the ball and catching the ball, running routes. Uh, you know, he's just been an extreme, an extreme help. So you've kind of made some noise. This uh, this training camp is a kick returner, which is something, or a punt returner, um, is, which is something he's he's been known for. Have you talked to him about that? Um, and you know, what's the mentality for you as a kick returner as opposed to a running back? You know, it, it shouldn't be any different, but in, in, in some ways, it is. I, I feel like I'm very patient. Back at Tony Center, whereas at running back, I may not be sometimes. Uh, that, that's the biggest difference in, in my game when it comes to being a running back and being a punter. Just 
I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more patient than what I have. Take me back to uh, your 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 return versus the Colts. Um, what do you remember about that, and just what did that do for your confidence to uh, to get that big play or this early on in, in training camp? Man, you know, looking looking back at that play, just I, the punter had been out kicking his coverage the entire game. Uh, so I never know what to have to catch it. Once I caught it, I kind of seen what things were. Um, we're going to go to spin out of a tackle and make a guy miss, and then my guy did some extra blocking for me, and, you know, we just got it done. What's that feeling like to, you know, maybe someone who's never experienced, you know, scoring a touchdown? What's the feeling like during a kick return or a punt return where, where you realize, all right, this is going all the way? Well, initially, man, I was so tired. I just wanted <laughs> to get to the end zone as fast as possible and uh, catch my breath. You know, that was my initial feeling. But, and it's, it's absolutely exhilarating. Yeah. Just, you know, for me, it, it was very similar to somebody who had never scored a touchdown. For me, that was my first time returning a punt in the NFL. So, in a sense, you know, I, I never, I never returned What about the uh, your return versus the Ravens? What do you? How would you compare that one to the Colts kick? And uh, on the sideline, it looked like you and Chip were joking around, and he was in your face a little bit. What did he say to you after that kick? Talking about Chip? Yeah, Chip. Yeah. Yeah, we were joking around, but at the same time, he was serious <laughs> because he likes us to finish, you know, finishing the end zone with the ball high and tight. And uh, if you watch that play, I think about maybe three or four yards before I got to the end zone, I relaxed on the ball. And so he came to me and was like, I'm extremely happy for you. I'm glad, super happy that you, you know, that, that things are going well for you. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't reach the ball. I'm like, you're right, I apologize. So he laughed about it and, and we moved on. What's your, uh, what's your relationship with Chip like? Oh, we have a great relationship, man. Uh, I've I've known Chip since I was 18 years old, so he he's watched me grow from a young man into a man. Uh, you know, I've watched him go from his first year as a head coach at, at Oregon to you know where he is now. So we have we have a great relationship. Just uh, because he's a solid guy. Was it was it hard for you this off season to see? Uh, you know, there was a lot of the of former teammates and players that you know, said some things about him, about him not being a player's coach and, you know, making some racial accusations. Was that, was that hard for you to, to watch? Yeah, you know, I, like I said, I've known since I was 18. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of what was being said, I didn't agree with because that's, that hasn't been my experience. So uh, I didn't necessarily agree, you know, with all that was being said because, like I said, I've known since I was 18. He's been the same guy when I met him then. Today, so and I, I didn't agree with it. I didn't understand where it was coming from. Uh, which, you know, everybody has a different experience. Everybody expects, I guess, something different out of, out of a different individual. Mm-hmm. So maybe you know he's not 
what they wanted him to be or what they thought he would be or whatever it is. But, you know, he, had, he hasn't been any of that for as long as I've been. Has, has there ever been any issues, whether you were at Oregon or now with the Eagles? Because the perception was that there's an issue in the locker room with players relating to Chip. I mean, I know you have your own personal relationship with him. And you can't speak for anybody else. But does have you ever seen anything like that at or, at Oregon or at with the Eagles where the players have trouble relating to Chip? Well, like you said, I can't speak on another person's, you know, interaction, which I can only go off of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, So yeah, I can't. I don't really have an answer for you for that question. Okay. So, going into this season, what are what are your goals? Do you are you the kind of player that writes down some things you'd like to accomplish, or just how are you? What's your mindset going into these last two weeks of training camp and uh, into the season? No, I'm definitely the kind of guy that likes to write your goals down. Uh, because if you don't write your goals down, do you really have goals? Like, what do you? If you can't physically see your goals on a piece of paper. You're kind of just hoping that mm-hmm. they come true, rather than reminding yourself on a daily basis of what you're what you're trying to get accomplished. Right. Um, I definitely have goals, man. You know. Well, all right. Do you mind sharing any of the goals? Uh, you know, firstly, you make an impact on going to the kid return. You know, I wrote down, you know, I want to return, and you know, as many punts or kid returns as possible. Uh, uh, I want to score a touchdown. You know, I want to average. You know, two touchdowns rushing or receiving, however it comes. Uh, 70 to 100 yards rushing, uh, 50 to 80 yards receiving, and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, the goal is stand humble regardless of how much success comes my way or whether no success comes my way, I want to stay humble. Uh, you know, playing this game with a purpose, rather than intent, and all these different things. You know, it may not be based on statistics, but it's things that can help me get to where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So I probably get asked about you more than any other player now from all the fans. So do you view yourself as a player on the bubble in terms of making the roster? And if so, what do you think you have to do to solidify your spot um, on the final roster? How do I view myself? Do I view myself as a player that's on the bubble? I really don't look at it like that mm-hmm. um, because I feel like if you start to peek into, you know, the administrative things, you start to think as an administrator, you start to lose track of focus on what you need to get accomplished. So I don't think about whether or not I'm on the bubble. I don't think about any of that. I just think about going out making plays and putting plays together that forces the Eagles organization, you know, to think twice about me. And then, you know, like I said, I have, a, I have extreme faith in God and think I have a plan for my life. And whether that's here or somewhere else, I believe that God has a plan and this plan will be whatever it is. All right, Elliot, I thought, you know, Kenyon there, a couple of things that stood out to me that it, during your, your you know conversation with him there was just how much more comfortable he seems to be and uh, being with the Eagles through minicamp and all this stuff into now. And, it, I mean, it's showing. He's certainly making a case for himself to be in this roster. And I don't know if three weeks ago we were really considering that as much as we are now. Yeah, and to, to me the thing that stood out, I mean, you know, the more I cover the NFL, and Mark can speak to this, having cover, covering it longer than me, is you don't really appreciate the, the personal side of, you know, what it takes, takes to succeed in the NFL until you kind of meet the players and you realize, you know, 
these are 22, 23 year old guys, just like you know I was when I was 22 and 23. So when when Kenyon talks about how last year the toughest part for him mentally was just getting his confidence back after the injury, and that's not something you think about. And I think now that he does feel confident and you know he he is healthy and he finally feels 100 percent, you can see what he's doing out there. I mean, you can see you know how you know his speed, his his vision, um, his ability to cut. And you know I'm not saying Kenyon Barnes is going to be the starting running back for this team, but you know, Chip talks all the time about keeping the best 53 players. And last year, I don't think Kenyon was one of the 53 best players just because he wasn't completely there mentally, and that's what he touched on. But now that he's confident and he's healthy, I don't think there's much of an argument that if you make the best 53 players, you forget position, you just put the best 53 players out there. I think Barner's made a really strong case to be one of those players. He got hurt last year, too, if I remember correctly. Didn't he, didn't he get yeah, hurt yeah. in the preseason? Right, yeah. That's set him back a little bit too. He's a good football player. If he's not here, he'll be somewhere. I mean, there's no. I mean, there's no way. I mean, I, I couldn't say, but I mean, if the Eagles were to release him at final cut down day, which I don't think they will now, but if they were, I, almost, I mean, the fact that he, he doesn't make a lot of money, he's he's shown what what he can do in the in the re return game. There's a lot of teams that don't have a punt returner close to Kenyon Barner, so I think he would get picked up almost immediately by. Any, any number of teams. And so he's an NFL player. He's going to be in the league. Hopefully, he's he's with the Eagles because he seems like he's, he seems like a really good good kid, a good guy to have on the you know just in the in the locker room. Yeah, and I mean, and, other, and he's yeah. Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The other the other way to look at the Barner on the best fifty three man players is I do think he's one of the best fifty three players. But when you look strictly at the running back position and how it'll play out, I mean, Demarco Murray, Ryan Matthews have injury history. Darren Sproles is getting up there. And I'm not sure if Kenyon Barner is a developmental back that one day will carry the ball 20, 25 times, but I do think he's a nice insurance policy should one of them miss a few games. And again, Chip always says, special teams, special teams, special teams. That's how you make the roster. And having the ability to put either Sproles or Barner back there on punt returns, is you know, it's, it's a big deal. So I think Barner is not only one of the 53 most talented players, I do think he makes some sense in terms of building a roster both for this year and looking forward. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think I think Kenyon Barner is the next Darren Sproles. Um, you know, they could easily let let him go next year, and Kenyon Barner fit, slides right into right into that spot as your third running back behind uh, Murray and Matthews, and your key return guy. Um, you know, again, if Sproles has another, has another great year, then maybe not. But I just think I see Barner as that kind of player, and that kind of player is a very critical player to a, to a teams nowadays, but, you know, having that third back that can do a lot of things. Barner can also catch the ball, you know, just like Sproles. So, you know, yeah, Kenyon Barner is an NFL player. He's going to be in the league. If not here, like I said, he gets picked up immediately. It's I ironic. Was, it's ironic, as Mark said, that thinking back to what um, he told you, Elliot, that, you know, Darren Sproles was a fan of his, and they met uh, yeah. down, you know, that's, years that's, ago when he was coming into the NFL, and uh, if he is the next Darren Sproles, what a great mentor to have as this whole thing rolls along because it seems like he's known him for a while and Sproles has been a fan of his game uh, just like he's a fan of Darren Sproles' game. So that that is an interesting little subplot there as we watch and, and we'll see if all four of these backs uh, make the team. All right, let's wrap up Episode 4 with some thoughts moving forward here. Third preseason game coming up Saturday night. The Eagles are going to be out in Green Bay taking on the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, um, let's each give one thing that we're looking for for this game. I mean, this is the big one. This is the third game of the preseason. It's a dress rehearsal. For me, I'll start. It's, it's the secondary. Can they continue to play well, the first-team secondary? Uh, they've played well against Andrew Luck. They've played well against Joe Flacco, especially 
uh, last week against the Ravens with the two interceptions and, and really nice plays in the secondary, and, and Schiff complimented them after the game. Can they do that now against Aaron Rodgers, arguably the best quarterback in the NFL? Elliot, what are you looking for third game of the preseason in Green Bay Saturday night? Man, Joe, Joe taking the easy one, the big one right <laughs> off the bat there. Um, I stole it before you guys did. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go, I'll go a little bit you know, off the grid, and I'll say the inside linebackers, just because this front seven in the defense has looked so good, and they haven't even had Kendrick Shakiko out there, who you can make the argument are two of their top you know, five players on the unit. So I'm excited to see what Kiko looks like coming back a you know, year off of his ACL. You know, is he out there making plays? Is he that same player he was in Buffalo? Because if he is, and he can be as good as he was his rookie year, which is asking a lot, I mean, this defense is going to be really, really, really good. So I want to see how they look now that they have all the pieces out there. And as you mentioned, going against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers is certainly a great test to see just how good the defense is. Mark, how about you? What are you looking for Saturday night against the Packers in terms of a roster crunch or just the way this team looks in Green Bay? Well, you, you guys left me with the real easy one. Sam Bradford. I want to see Sam Bradford. I, want, I only saw him for... Well, you know, a handful of plays last last week. He looked good, one drive, scored a touchdown. But I expect him to play. I hope he plays at least the whole fir- first half. You know, I want to see him get in rhythm with the offense. I want to see how he reacts when when he when you know when things go wrong. Um, I want to see him get hit again. I want to see Sam Bradford play quarterback against a a real defense. You know, a live defense. You know, he he so far so good. You know, one drive against the Baltimore Ravens that ended in a touchdown. Got a couple breaks on on penalties um, along the way, but uh, yeah, I want to see I want to see a lot of Sam Bradford because right? let's be honest, when it all comes down to it, whether the defense is improved or not, it probably is. It can't be much worse than it was last year. Special teams are going to be good. I mean, every, you know, you win and lose in this league by the play of of your quarterback. The reason the Green Bay Packers were talking that they're a good team is because they have Aaron Rodgers. You saw two years ago when they didn't have Aaron Rodgers, the Eagles beat them pretty easily. I mean, so it's all about the quarterback, and if Sam Bradford is, is this team's quarterback, I want to see him play and play play well. I think we all do, and, and hopefully we'll get to see him for a little bit more than just, what, 14 snaps he had uh, in the second preseason game against the, um, the Baltimore Ravens. All right, so we have this game coming up. We could practice in between as the Eagles get set for what is the dress rehearsal for Monday Night Football against the Falcons in a few weeks. Uh, this was a, a fun episode. Thanks, obviously, to Kenyon Barner for joining us, and um, a lot was going on here with Michael Kendricks getting the contract extension, with the controversy around Bradford Suggs. Maybe next week, guys, we could just talk about Bradford and football again. But this is this was kind of a crazy week, uh, you know, with that when that hit happened. And Elliot called it the hit heard around the world. When that happened, it felt like the whole conversation around the Eagles changed a little bit for a couple days. Yeah, and hopefully we can talk Tim Tebow next week. Oh, always talk Tebow. Hey, we didn't mention Tebow at all. That's right. We can't do a pop. We, can, we, we can't do this without Tebow, can we? I think that counts right there, Mark. So maybe next time we'll do a lot of Tim Tebow talk. We'll be back after the Eagles' third preseason game against the Packers on Saturday night. Remember to follow us on Twitter at Elliot Shore Parks, at Mark Eccolo 8, uh, and at Joe Gileo Sports. And subscribe and download on iTunes and Stitcher to the No Huddle Show. Uh, we'll be back next week to talk Eagles football with you right here. <laughs>